Hello, this is Europe Now. It's spring 2021, one year since President Macron first told his countrymen to stay home. Nous sommes en guerre. Dès demain, midi, et pour 15 jours au moins, nos déplacements seront très fortement réduits. As the first anniversary of those restrictions passed, the daily COVID infection rate remained high and millions of French people were given new restrictions on their daily lives. Nous devons, pour les mois à venir, fournir chacun un effort supplémentaire. Travel around the country and elsewhere in Europe remains complicated and the economy has suffered. French GDP fell by more than 8% in 2020 unemployment rose, particularly among young people. Meanwhile, the vaccination programme has left many frustrated. The start was painstakingly slow. There have been concerns about the AstraZeneca jab and the French vaccination rate remains below the EU average. With just one year to go before the next French presidential elections, our team is travelling around France, the second biggest EU state by population, and by GDP to find out where the pandemic has left this country and its people. Hello, my name is Irene Toléré. I come from an old winemaking family from the Languedoc. I am a member of the European Parliament. I am in the Renew Group that is in linked with Emmanuel Macron government in France. It's a whole new world that uh, we are living in. I hope that we uh, get rid of this pandemic, but some things will have changed uh, for good, I think. On paper, the French economy isn't doing quite as badly as predicted. However, what happens when the government support is taken away? It won't be taken away. Emmanuel Macron said whatever it takes, because also uh, France has learned the lesson of the uh, financial crisis from 2008, where there were a massive on an of unemployment that were uh, led by uh, the bankruptcies. So this time we uh, lock down the economy, then we do the curfews, but uh, with a, a financial help so that uh, the people are not disemployed. You're quite right, President Macron did say we'll do whatever it takes, but there is not a limitless amount of money in the world to finance all of this, is there? No, but we are not talking about a, a limitless uh, uh, amount of money, but then on a yearly basis, uh, we have a, a production that uh, creates money. For instance, uh, not far from here, a big company that produces uh, uh, batteries for electric cars. Uh, all the recovery plan is linked with uh, sustainable uh, development of the European economy. And, uh, and so uh, when the European plan is uh, validated, then the French state will be reimbursed with European money. A lot of people, though, are marching in the streets in various parts of the European Union saying, we've had enough, we need to move on now, get over these restrictions, get the economy open again. What would you say to them? I mean, it's not super fun to wear a mask. I agree but I can do it without any problem. And today we do not wear masks simply because we are outside in a private place and I've been tested negative, you are the same, and so we respect the barrier. But it's not so complicated. 
Of course, a big part of getting the economy reopened is to do with vaccination. Yeah. Uh, France has been taking part in the massive vaccine rollout, but I think everybody would agree it's uh, been a little bit slow. It's been perceived as being kind of messy in some ways. I mean, do you agree that it, it could have been smoother? It could have gone better? Uh, the thing is that the French government, beginning of December, said this is how the uh, vaccination is going to roll out in France. And not only are they following these uh, figures, but they are in advance. So uh, that for me is not uh, messy. Uh, it's just that uh, people don't listen. And why don't people listen? Because they want to be out of this pandemic. Me too. Well, on vaccines, uh, let's look at a report together because as I'm sure you know, as I'm sure many of our viewers know, France has a long history with vaccines. It's the country of Pasteur, after all. But our reporter, Luke Brown, has been looking into why it is that France has not developed its own vaccine at this point. Here on the outskirts of Nantes lies France's prime hope of finding a viable vaccine against COVID-19. Valneva's shot enters phase three clinical trials at the end of April, and the first 100 million doses have been snapped up by the United Kingdom, not the EU. The United Kingdom showed that it was interested by our vaccine. They made a proposal to finance the vaccine very early. What's lacking in France and in Europe are large funds that have enough resources, that are reserved for health and are able to take a gamble, so to speak. Although production is now in Scotland, the initial research in France was in part thanks to state investment in this biotech hub for startups. Last year, the regional authorities called on the government to do more to keep the Valneva vaccine in France to no avail. We should have rolled out the red carpet just like the United Kingdom did for Valneva. What's happening is that we're being suffocated by bureaucracy. And Europe makes that bureaucracy even worse. We need to take our foot off the brakes and dare to take risks. To take risks like the private sector does, but in the public sector too. Bureaucracy isn't the sole villain. The French pharma giant Sanofi has yet to produce a viable vaccine of its own. It does have two separate vaccines in development, but its most promising shot is months behind schedule due to a simple dosing error. To add insult to injury, Sanofi announced it was cutting 400 jobs in R&D last year to the anger of many of its workers. If you reduce the number of researchers, then you shouldn't be surprised when there are challenges that you can't accomplish. And the case of the COVID vaccine is the obvious example of that. The race for a vaccine has spiked French pride, but it's also the result of a 30% decline in medical research funding since 2011. Research now represents 2.4% of French GDP, that's less than the USA or Japan, and French research salaries are on average a third lower. It's a double brain drain. Academic researchers are likely to go to countries where either the research conditions or the salaries are better. And then there are the small startups who head to the U.S. because they can find funding that they can't get in Europe. Back in Nantes, hope for France to recover some wounded pride, not in vaccinations, but in treatments. Zenotera's ZAV-19 prevents COVID symptoms from becoming critical. That could help relieve pressure on the health service and save lives. In February, the French president promised to buy 30,000 doses, but so far, nothing has been signed. It's a worry for us because as more time passes, it increases the risk to not be able to produce in time because we have to begin production as soon as possible. In clinical trials, ZAV-19 is showing promise, even against the new COVID variants. 
Zinotarasse's production could start as soon as the summer, and this time France would be first in line. France has not failed. If the government were to say tomorrow that it wants to buy ZAV-19 and its efficacy and patience is proved, then we will be in the best position in the world and will be the only ones to benefit from it at first. In April, France began producing its own vaccine for the first time. Still for now, it's just bottling the Pfizer vaccine from Germany, meaning the wait continues for a true shot that's made in France. That report by Luke Brown. We're still with Irene Dolore. Uh, why would you say it is that France hasn't produced a vaccine yet? It's yet that is important. I think it's already a miracle that we had so many vaccines developed in less than 10 months. Big up for all the researchers, Pasteur and Sanofi. Uh, they will develop vaccines, they will come a bit later. We always uh, want to invest in research, but when research finds something, we need to uh, legislate, to authorize. And in France, I'm sorry to say that, we have a certain tendency to not authorize. And I think it's high time uh, we consider that the correct level for health issues is the European level. My name is Michelle Rivasi. I'm a member of the European Parliament for Europe Ecologie Les Verts. I'm a biologist, and my main interests are health, energy, and pesticides. We just saw a report earlier in the programme about vaccinations. Now, you yourself in the past have spoken out critically about the COVID vaccines, uh, whereas your group, the Greens, is very much in favour. So just to be clear, are you pro or anti-vaccine? My criticism of vaccination was always to do with the balance of risks and benefits, meaning I wanted there to be a good reason for mass vaccination. But I've always been in favour of vaccines for eradicating infectious diseases, which is the current situation. The problem I have is with the lack of transparency regarding the contracts the European Commission struck with the producers. If I don't have access to the contracts, to how European public money is being spent with laboratories, how can I check up on the decision makers? Well, right now we're going to talk about another industry that's really struggling at the moment, the culture sector. Theatres, cinemas and other sites are still closed and struggling, as Luke Brown reports. An impromptu concert outside the Odeon Theatre in Paris in support of those inside. Since early March, a few dozen laid-off cultural sector workers have occupied this theatre, one of the most prestigious in France, Nadej, a soul singer, was amongst the first. At first it was a little bit, one, two, three, go, and now it's much more organized. There's a list to know who's on watch. Everyone signs up for a shift to keep an eye on the door that leads outside to see who comes and goes. It's not a merry-go-round. A quarter of a million performers and technicians are part-time cultural workers. Their status means they receive payments in between jobs. Despite compensation for pandemic cancellations, many fear the worst. Anything that's freedom of thought and entertainment, that's all being chucked out. We're just becoming machines that produce. It's unbearable. The occupation movement has spread to theatres across France, like here in Marseille. But the show must go on. 
At the Théâtre du Merlon, Nassim Batou has words of advice for his troupe. They're about to perform in front of a small professional crowd, but the past year has highlighted how important and fragile the link is with the general public. We get the feeling that there's no meaning in what we do. The meaning of our craft is to meet people. It's the link with being alive. And that aspect has been lost, and it's frustrating because we're losing the meaning of what we do. The Théâtre du Merlin has maintained its schedule, paying artists and technicians throughout the crisis thanks to its state-funded budget. It's working to give France's cultural scene a future, even as applause like this has become a rarity. For me, culture is essential. You don't need to convince me. But the social link, people need convincing of that. Because without this social link, France will die. Life is really hard for people at the moment. There's a lot of instability. And if theatres aren't here to help, then I don't know where we're headed. And that's what scares me the most. Culture isn't just about bums on seats. For a town like Arles, it brings in tourists. 1.2 million visitors come each year for the Roman ruins, the photography festival and the museums. The Réatu Museum has been shuttered since the autumn and now the exhibitions are behind closed doors. Here's a musketeer by Picasso. We say to ourselves, if the public can't see them, then we should at least conserve the drawings by protecting them from the light. It's very frustrating. The work of cultural institutions is done for the public, and the fact that we can't fulfill that mission and receive visitors shows how important our mission is, because a cultural institution without visitors has no reason to exist. In places like Arles, the economy relies on culture and heritage. Socialist MEP Nora Mebarek wants the EU to ring-fence 2% of its 750 billion euro recovery package for these sectors. Culture is not only about creation, it's also about cultural tourism. It's first and foremost about creating a resilient economy for every region. What does the European recovery plan have to say about that? We need tourism to return. And culture is the intangible commodity that we can sell around the world. France has set aside 50 million euros to help the arts. That's the equivalent of just under 75 euros each for the 670,000 people who work in the sector. Well, we're still with uh, Michel Rivasi, and off the back of that report, I'd like to ask you, uh, we have this big EU recovery fund of 750 billion euros. There hasn't been much talk around that, though, about culture. Has culture been forgotten? It hasn't been forgotten. It's been sacrificed. This pandemic, which stopped us all moving around, has had a scapegoat in the shape of arts and culture. But here in France, culture is so important from the point of view of the economy and jobs, but also in terms of well-being. The quality of life in France is partly due to culture. Within the European Recovery Plan, because it's up to each member state to prepare its own plan, it's possible that some money could be given to all of those people in the culture sector who have been sacrificed for over a year. There are also people, though, who would argue, look, culture and the arts, it is wonderful, it's part of uh, the French way of life, certainly, but it's not producing, you know, ventilators, for example, things that uh, are needed right now. Uh, can you see that side of the argument? Je... I reject these arguments for several reasons. Firstly, from an economic point of view, Culture is closely linked to tourism. People don't just come to France to eat good food, they also come here to have fun. 
The second argument is that a person will work well if they feel good about themselves. And right now we can see that in the context of the pandemic, there are so many more people who are depressed. Life isn't just about working, sleeping and staying at home. Michel Rivesi, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Well, just before we close off part one of the programme and leave Marseille, we thought we would bring you here to the Musem. This is the Museum of the Civilizations of Europe and the Mediterranean, uh, a museum that normally attracts well over a million visitors a year. Of course, those numbers drastically down with the COVID pandemic restrictions. Do stay with us because in part two of the programme, we're going to be moving east along this coastline, finding out a little bit more about how tourism has been affected in the south of France, among other topics. <laughs>